You are now listening to Zakaic Podcast, proclaiming Jesus as Savior, Healer, Sanctifier, and Coming King. This morning, we will continue with our study on the series entitled Attitude of Gratitude. Last Sunday, we learned that out of our faith in Christ, our new relationship with God, out of that, the Bible attests that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and the Lord wants us to live wisely. How does a believer live wisely? That's the question and we answer that through the writings of the Apostle Paul saying that we can only be wise if we know God's will and at the same time we are filled by the Holy Spirit. And once we are filled by the Holy Spirit, along with that idea being filled by the Spirit, is a declaration that a believer's life is characterized by a constant gratitude or constant thanksgiving. So whatever situation we go through, we should always be in a mood of thanking the Lord. That is why at the end of the sermon last Sunday, I taught you about the beauty of praying instead of a need-based prayer. We pray to the Lord based on gratitude. We thank God for everything that He has done for our lives. And thus, it changes a lot in the way we view things because the more we pray based on gratitude, the more we are reminded about who God is, what He did for all of us, and it reminds us how big our God is even in the midst of great problems that we face in our time. And this morning, we will continue with this series. And this time, we will be discovering Two concrete reasons, reasons, reasons that we will be forever grateful to God. And I want us to look at the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verses 28 to 29 this morning. So open your Bibles with me. If you did not bring your Bible, anyway, it would be flashed on your screen. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 28 to 29. The word of the Lord from the NASB 1995 says, Therefore, since we received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. May the good Lord bless the reading of His Word. Now, before we proceed, the book of Hebrews or the letter to the Hebrews was written by someone that is unknown. There are many people who would think that it was the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter, but there are reasons why we would be able to say he's not. And one of those is that the style of writing. If you are a writer, the kind or the way you write a piece, has it contains something that is so unique and distinct with your own style. When you look at the other writings of the Apostle Paul, like First and Second Corinthians, the book of Romans, Philippians, Ephesians, this letter, he, Paul, in the way he wrote them, he had, his style is very evident. But when you look at the book of Hebrews, it's different. That is why scholars in our time are saying that we cannot be sure if it was really Apostle Paul. And for us to be safer, safer that we won't be attributing the letter to someone who did not write it, then we will just use the term, the author of the book of Hebrews. Okay? The author of the book of Hebrews, actually, was discussing something in the earlier part of the chapter. 
sequel, you look at chapter 11 of Hebrews, you would see that he related about heroes of faith, individuals who existed in the Old Testament and how they exercised faith in their lives. And God credited all those things for them. And then when you look at the earlier part of chapter 12, he started discussing about a contrast between two mountains, between two covenants, between two kingdoms. Okay? Because when I, I was reading this text, I was, asked, I was encountering terms that were not so widely used in the New Testament. And one of those is that unshakable kingdom. You can see there in verse 28 that we are given or we are associated or we are affiliated to what he calls the unshakable kingdom. And that's one of those reasons why we are forever thankful to the Lord. That he integrated us, that we are part of that unshakable kingdom. While reading the text, I asked the question, what did he mean by this? What is this unshakable kingdom? The earlier verses would give us a hint about it. Look at verses 18 up to 19. Verses 18 up to, I mean, verses 18 up to verse, I think, 20. You would see there that he described about the old covenant. And he used terms like the Mount Sinai, that the people in the olden days, they approached a mountain called Sinai. To bring this back into our memories back then in, in the Old Testament, when God used Moses to bring his people out of Egypt, going to the promised land, they, they what is this? They stopped on Mount Sinai. And then in that particular mountain, God revealed himself to his children. And that revelation became the basis of the covenant, the old covenant. That old covenant contained laws, contained rules, contained what God wants them to do, how God wanted them to behave. So that was the content of the old covenant. And then that covenant was so difficult for the Israelites because you got to obey everything stipulated in it. Because if you miss one of those, then you are missing the whole point. That is why it was a very strict kind of a covenant. And as I have mentioned to you before, this kind of covenant was a bilateral, wherein one party who engaged with it, who get into this covenant, has to expect what the other party is to per how, how the other party would perform based on the agreement. So that was the old covenant. And when you look at verses 18 up to verse 20, it talks about the old covenant, the old mountain of Sinai, the old way that God was dealing with his people. But when you look at verses, I think, 21 or 22 up to verse 24, you know, he described new, a new picture, a new scenario here. And I want us to read these verses again. If you look at chapter 12, beginning with verse 22 up to verse 24, he painted a new picture, and he mentioned these descriptions. Number one is this. How does this new kingdom look like? He said, it is called the Mount of Zion. In the previous, he described it as a Mount of Sinai. Here in the new one, in verses 22 to 24, he calls it a Mount of Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And then he added some descriptions to it. He said, in that kingdom, there are myriads of angels. I want you to picture in your mind this kind of scenario, wherein that is called a Mount Zion. And then in that Mount Zion, it's the city of God. There are myriads of angels. There are a lot of angels that are serving the Lord and worshiping him. And then he added some descriptions to it saying, the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. 
Now take note of this idea, the mentioning of the word church. Because when, when, the, when, when the author mentioned the word church, this has not to do with the building. He's not talking about a certain religious organization. He's not talking about a set of belief, but he's talking about people. He's talking about individuals like you and me. He's talking about individuals who are related with Jesus because we have placed our faith in the very person and work of Christ. You are the church. We are the church. It's not a building. Nowadays, we define the word a church in relation to a building. Where are you going? When you pass through a checkpoint this morning, maybe some individuals ask you, do you have your Vax card or do you have your quarantine pass? Where are you going, mom or sir? And we answer them, we're going to the church. And in our mind, when we said we go to the church, we're going to the church, we're thinking of Zikaic, we're thinking of the building. But when you look at the New Testament, how the word church is defined, it's talking about believers. It's talking about you and me. It's talking about us who are related to Christ. And here is a very important matter. When the author described the new kingdom, when he described the unshakable kingdom, the church is part of it. Here is something that I want us to see. The church is part of that unshakable kingdom. And because the church is part of the unshakable kingdom, you and I are part of that unshakable kingdom. That's amazing. And he placed another descriptions. He said, in that kingdom, you would see God, the judge of all. And you wouldn't only see God, but the spirits of the righteous made perfect. You would also see Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And then you would see the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Now, what is this blood of Abel talking about? When you remember about the incident in the book of Genesis when Abel was murdered by his own brother, the text would tell you and me that the blood of Abel was crying out before God for justice. But in the new kingdom, it's not like a blood, it's no longer a blood that cries out for justice because it's the blood of the Lamb, it's the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus does not cry out for justice. Instead, it declares that justice has already been given. That is why it's a new thing in the new kingdom, in that unshakable kingdom. And the most beautiful thing about it is we are part of it. We are part of it. Maybe, maybe there's someone who's going to ask, what shall I do to become a part of that kingdom? Well, the answer is that there is nothing you can do to become a part of that kingdom. Maybe someone would say, I have millions or billions of pesos or billions of dollars in my account. What shall I do so that I will become part of that unshakable kingdom? Well, the answer to that question is there is nothing you can do. Your dollars cannot do anything. It's irrelevant in the kingdom of God. There is nothing we can do. Maybe someone would say, Pastor, I'm so good. I help my neighbor. I don't allow any kid abandoned in the streets because I really help. I address their needs. Well, those are good things. However, that's not enough to bring you into that unshakable kingdom. In other words, there is nothing that you and I can do to become part of it. We did not work. That's why we did not work. Why We did not work and we did not work for it. We did not do something in exchange of it. It is only by grace. It is by grace that you came to know Christ. 
It is by grace that I have encountered the gospel. It is by grace that at one moment in my life, I, I realized that I am incapable of saving myself. And then I look at the word of God and look up to him and say, Lord, it is only by your help. It is only by your death on the cross that my sins were paid. It is only by grace, not by works. We can buy it. And when we know about this truth, the more we become thankful to the Lord. This is one of the main reasons why believers are to be grateful. That you and I were called by God and He placed us as part of the unshakable kingdom. The old kingdom belongs to the old covenant. The old covenant is something that worked for in the time of the Israelites. But it was so strict. It was so difficult. It wasn't permanent. But you and I belong to the unshakable kingdom. Something that is strong in its foundation because it is founded in the work and person of Christ. Something that will last forever. Something that you and I are placed securely in that particular kingdom. And that is a wonderful thing to imagine. Imagine a kingdom where God is the leader. Imagine a kingdom where angels are there singing along side by side with human beings saved by the Lord and you are a part of it. We are to be grateful for that. You know, I remember a boy who was asked by his mom, little boy, can you please sweep the floor? Can you please wash the plates? And the boy said, mom, what's in it for me? Is there something that you can give me if I do those things that you're asking me to do? And then the mom said, okay, no problem. And the boy set his rules and he said, what if I'll charge you 10 pesos for each chore that I would perform? And then the mom just agreed with him and said, okay, no problem. I can give you that. And so he started washing the plates. He started sweeping the floor. He started going to the store to buy those stuff that his mom needs whenever she cooks. He, he did all those things. After a week, after a week, he thought of those things that he did in the past seven days and he started listing down. Wash the plates 10 times. Okay, times 10 pesos, 100 pesos. I swept the floor 10 times. Times 10, 100 pesos. Ah, this is good. Ah, 200 na. I went to the store. 20 times, times 10, 200, <laughs> total 400. He made a note, made a list with the, with the amount in it. And then he made a comment, Mom, please pay me now. So he gave it to his mom and actually he just placed it on a table. And he said, Mom, the list is there already. And so the mom said, just leave it there, I'll check on it later. And the boy left. The mother went to it and read it. She said, no problem. So she got money from her wallet, inserted it in an envelope, and then he, she also wrote a letter. And she placed there, I carried you nine months in my womb, no charge. I had months of sleepless nights, especially when you were sick like a dog, no charge. I fed you every day. Even if I cannot eat anymore because I no longer have time before I go to work, no charge. I change your diaper every time you poop and you pee, no charge. I hug you when you are sick, 
Even if I couldn't sleep, even if it's uncomfortable, no charge. And then he left the note, and he le- she, she made a, right of, a, a lot of items in that list, and then at the end of it, total, zero, no charge. And then she inserted it inside the envelope along with the 400 peso. When the boy came back in the afternoon, she said to him, boy, it's already there on the table. And so the boy was excited. He got it. And it was thick. envelope, wow, it's thick. He was expecting that his mom gave him more than the 400 charge. And so when he opened it, he saw the money, got it. He was happy. And noticed the letter. He opened it and he read all those stuff that his mom wrote down. While he was reading, it was like, it was, a, it was like a cold water experience that was poured all over his body because it was then when he realized, I could never pay for what my mom did to me. I could never pay for this. I should have not charged my mom. She did a lot that there is nothing I can do to pay for it. You are a part of God's kingdom. God has done so much for you. For you to become a part of it because the price that he paid for us to become part of that unshakable kingdom is right there the cross at calvary he made us a part of that unshakable kingdom when he died on the cross at calvary and when we placed our faith in him he did so much that you and i can never pay it pay it i mean and the only appropriate thing that we can respond out of what we have is that be grateful for what he has done for us and he added something in verse 29 he said for our god is a consuming fire well commonly when you look at this kind of comment and you observe about the thought that is conveyed by the author you would be able to say what is he talking about here why did he insert this line for he is a consuming fire what is this what is the relationship of this with the previous statement he's talking about kingdom and now he's talking about a god who is a consuming fire i don't understand about this matter but when you dig deeper there are things that you would realize and the more we become so grateful to god you know if you have a picture of the relationship of the israelites with god in the old testament What happened back then was that God was presented as a consuming fire. And when that term is used, especially in the olden times, when the idea of a consuming fire, it talks about a God who is so pure, so holy, that when a sinful person person would go near God himself, that person is going to die. He's going to be consumed. If you think about a consuming fire, it was like an idea that where they were in the, in, at the foot of Mount Sinai and God was telling them, I am coming down to you and I don't like anybody of you to step on the foot of the mountain because once you do it, even your animals, once you do it, once you step on that holy ground where my presence is manifested, you're going to die. Why? Because God is a consuming fire. Now with that sense in the Old Testament, it's entirely different in the New Testament. Why? Because if I imagine about God who is pure and holy and nobody can approach Him, with the cross of Christ, it has been made possible for you and for me to approach Him. 
you know, a consuming fire, God as a consuming fire would, would consume all those individuals, all those living things, every matter that is stained by sin and darkness. He's going to consume it. He's not going to leave anything. Everything will die in His presence. But since we have placed our faith in Christ, the Lamb of God who lived His life perfectly and became a sacrifice for you and for me, His righteousness is given to us. Now when we stand before the Holy God, our righteousness is not based on our own doing, but it is based on the righteousness of Christ. And so because we are righteous in the sight of God through the righteousness of Christ, God as the consuming fire, when we approach His throne, we are not consumed. Why? Because of the righteousness of Christ living in us. In other words, we can approach God directly this time without being consumed because we are enveloped by the righteousness of Christ. Something that you and I need to be grateful about. But here is another theme that would emerge out of this. God as a consuming fire is not only talking about the God who is holy and pure, that whenever there is a sinful object or man that would come into his presence, that thing would be devoured. No, not only like that. Because when you look at the Old Testament also, there is a concept of offering and God comes and consumes it. If you remember when Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal, he told them that let's call our God. You call your God, I'll call my God. We will offer a sacrifice at the altar, on the altar. And then you call your God, if he comes and devour and consume the sacrifice, meaning to say that is a one true God. And Elijah said, if I'll call my God, I know he's going to come and consume my sacrifice. So you do it first. And so the prophets of Baal, I think 300 or 3,000 of them, if I'm not mistaken, they started calling their God. And for several hours, they did that. They cried, they shouted, and they even cut their, their, their skin so that their God's attention will be taken and then it will be given to them and He's going to consume their sacrifice. But despite, despite all those things that they did, nothing happened. And here comes Elijah. He told the people around, Please pour water on the altar. And then I want us to dig a ditch, a trench around the altar and fill it with water also. So they filled it with water, they wet the altar, and the sacrifice was placed there. When Elijah called the Lord, the Lord came in the form of a consuming fire and consumed the offering. Now here's the thing. It is not only about our access to God because we are enveloped by the righteousness of Christ. But when the idea of a consuming fire that is pertaining to God is expressed in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 29, it's also talking about God coming down and accepting our offering. Why? Here is the point. When the author of the book of Hebrews said to the believers, when he penned this down, he said, let us then be grateful or let us show gratitude in what way let us show gratitude in a way that is acceptable to god in a form of service i'll repeat let us show our gratitude that is acceptable to god 
in a form of service. Now, in the original text, it, the, the term that was used can also be translated as in a form of worship. But whether it is translated as service or worship, both can mean so fitting within the context that when we come to the Lord and worship God, or when we come to the Lord giving our service for Him, He is going to come in a form of a consuming fire and saying, My child, I am accepting your sacrifice. I am accepting what you are offering to me. I am accepting you as someone related to me. What a beautiful picture. And that cannot happen without the cross of Christ also. The idea here is that because God has given us the unshakable kingdom or made us part of the unshakable kingdom, because God is a consuming fire, let us all show gratitude to God for what He has done. Because these two things, becoming a part of the unshakable kingdom, having a God who is consu a consuming fire, these two things are something so serious that no human scheming can give it to us. Only God himself. So if you think about the idea of a consuming fire within the context of the old covenant, it's going to devour you. It's going to devour me. But when I think of the consuming fire within the context of the new covenant, it is an acceptable, it is an acceptance of worship before God. Because if you look at the translation worship or service, what does it mean to us today when we think about this idea is that our worship to God can also be not, is not limited when we come together in the church and sing songs to Him. Our worship to God is not limited when we come together and fold our hands in prayer. Our worship to God is not limited when we come to the church every Sunday and listen to the preaching of the Word, but when it talks about service. It has to do with the way we live our lives. In other words, in every service that you conduct, as long as you honor your God, it is your form of worship to Him. It doesn't mean that you only serve God when you join the praise team. It does not mean that you only serve God when you become a missionary or a pastor or a priest or whoever, whatever occupation, religious occupation you think about. Your service to the Lord can become an act of worship. So if you are a doctor and then you are there curing people, bringing healing into the lives of those individuals, and you do it giving glory and honor to God, that's a form of worship that you can give to God. If you are a teacher, you are diligently doing your part, that's a form of worship to God. If you are somebody who is an agent of a certain company and you do it with all your heart, with all honesty, in the way you deal with your clients, that is a form of worship to God. Because when God looks at us, He's not look at, looking at us in a segmented way when he, wherein He would say, you are my child during Sunday, but you are a different person during Mondays up to Saturday. You are the same person that God called you to be. You are the same Christian even on Mondays up to Friday and Saturday. So your worship, my worship, our worship should not be confounded within the corner of this church. Our worship should be even expressed when we are in our workplace. Our worship should be expressed even when we are in our schools, whenever we are in our respective homes. How does that happen? Because that is coming out of the gratitude we have in our hearts. 
Listen, gratitude should not be expressed only in terms of words and emotions. Gratitude must also be expressed in action. In a form of service as our worship to God. When we realize how much God has given to us, making us a part of the kingdom, allowing us to stand before a holy God, accepting our sacrifice, our worship, those two things are worth thanking for, not only this time, but forever, regardless of what is happening around us, regardless of the condition where we are in, even if the weather is seemingly so dark, even when we look at our surrounding, it sounds, it looks hopeless. We always have the reason to be grateful to the Lord when we think about how he made us part of the unshakable kingdom and how he accepts you and me, even despite the fact that we are sinners in the past, but we have been transformed through the very person and work of Christ. Let's continue giving thanks to God, not only with words, not only in our hearts, but let's thank Him in an action. It is in the form of service that we can also worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. God bless us all and good morning. You just heard the message from Sambuanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, you can follow us in your social media platforms in Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zikaek Ministries. God bless!